Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. So we are coming to a close in the book of Job. I would say maybe only a couple more weeks here. Um, I've said this before, but just a short eight, nine years ago, I thought to myself, man, I am going to be preaching every Sunday. That's like 52 sermons a year. (laughs) What am I going to say for 52 Sundays? Then I opened God's word and... I mean, what were we on the Sermon on the Mount for? Has anyone here when we did the Sermon on the Mount when I first started? It went, I think, for like three years. It was a really long time. I think it was the first two and a half years of me preaching was the Sermon on the Mount. How am I doing back here, Drew? Just a little loud. I'm kind of loud? Okay. That's what Heidi says, too. Okay. We're good? All right. Is that better? Okay. So we're in Job, and we've said this, uh, that we're in Job because it's one of the books of wisdom. There's three books of wisdom, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job. Uh, We decided to do Job first because I told you uh, I like getting things I don't want to do out of the way. Job, honestly, was one I didn't want to do, and that's because Job really wrestles with those hard questions is, is God good? And if he is, where is he then when really awful things happen? And uh, as we've seen in the story of Job, Job is a a righteous man, an incredible man, great wealth, very generous, beautiful family. Um, He he loves God, serves his community. He's the man that we all want to be. He's he's got everything. He's got character. He's got morals. He's got wealth. He's got health. He's got a beautiful wife, beautiful children. He is the stand-up citizen. Um, And then you see what happens to Job uh, is that... God removes his hand of protection from Job to allow the enemy to come in and take from Job. He takes his children, he takes his wealth, and he takes his friends, and he takes his good reputation, and he takes his, his health. And he, there he is, just, just a man with hardly anything. And um, what's really difficult about this is, is it, it helps us understand that God is in control of all things, good or bad. What we decide is good or bad, God is in control of it all. And so now we're now at this point where now God is finally talking to Job. Job before chapter 38 doesn't really understand what's happening to him on a heavenly perspective. We do because we're the reader. But he, he, he doesn't. And he's calling out to God. I don't know how long this is, but it's a while, right? He's calling out to God and he's not heard anything. And maybe that's where you find yourself. Maybe you find yourself now in the, in the 2020, in the pandemic, maybe that's going to you. Like maybe your job has been taken from you or, or your financial security. Maybe your health or the health of a loved one's been taken from you. Um, there's been some things that have been taken that we used to consider uh, a, a given, right? Now, like it's not so given anymore. Um, but anyway, and maybe you've been in the place where you've been crying out to God and you have just heard crickets. Um, now God speaks. And what we learned a couple weeks ago is when God speaks, you you should not ask the question, why? Because God hardly ever answers with an explanation. He always gives a revelation, meaning who is God. And so here we are. This is now Job's response to that revelation. And we learn a lot. Remember, we were looking at this book for wisdom, and we've learned all kinds of wisdom about who God is and who I am. Well, now we're going to learn the wisdom of confession. 
Today is all about the wisdom of confession. And confession is a discipline that is difficult. Because confession is fought off by pride and shame. And so either you're an individual that doesn't want to confess because you're too proud, or you're an individual that doesn't confess because you're too ashamed. And a lot of times the proud people like to point their finger at the shame-filled people and say they're wrong. And a lot of times the shame-filled people like to point their finger at the pride people and say they're wrong. All the while, neither one of them are confessing. Don't you get it? The enemy does not care which side of the balance beam you fall off on. That's where we've gone wrong as a society and a church. We justify our fallen off position by looking under the beam at the person laying on the mat on the other side and saying, I didn't fall off the left side, all while falling off the right side. The Holy Spirit's about balance. And I, I sometimes wonder, like, God, why did you make this life so, so, so prone to balance, so, so balanced and needed? Because I, I believe God said, then you can't do it on your own. The, the, the life of a Christian is not able, you cannot muster the will to do this. You can't have the good morals or strength to do this. You need the Holy Spirit. And we forget that sometimes as a church. So today is about that revelation, hearing God, seeing God, and then what is our response. And we're going to learn from Job. We have wisdom to learn from Job. But first, I want to tell you about a story that happened to me in um, college. Um, I went to college in Minnesota, and uh, I quickly realized that my school had a lot of kids that lived within, oh, an hour to two hours. I went to a Christian college in Minnesota, and a lot of churches from the greater Minneapolis area, their kids would go to this college. So there wasn't a whole lot of out-of-staters like myself. And so the first weekend of school, right, I'm in my dorm, I'm, I'm there for preseason football, and school starts now, and the whole place is flowing. We have probably about 2,000 kids in our, our school, so not a huge school, but big. And uh, all of a sudden, the weekend came, and I'm like, I can't wait to meet everybody. It's going to be so great, and, and the weekend is going to be so fun. And everyone went away. The dorm, the hallways were like a ghost town. Literally, except for there were three out-of-staters on my floor. A kid from Florida named Mike, a kid from Wyoming named Sam, and a kid from Maine named Marcus. So Sam, Mike, and Marcus went up to no good on the campus of my college. And that first weekend actually ended with the three of us in trouble. We may have broken into our RA's room, found his camera, and took pictures of ourselves all around his different room, and then left it, you know, the camera there for him to discover. He was fine with it, his roommate was not, uh, and we got in trouble. Any rate, one of those kids named Sam became a really close friend of mine, and he lived in Wyoming. And Sam lived in Gillette, Wyoming, and his parents are exact, he's exactly what you would think about Wyoming. They had a ranch, they had horses, and uh, one day, this is a couple years later, maybe our sophomore year, maybe our junior year, I don't know. It was one of those things where like on a Tuesday, we're like, hey, Monday is a holiday, so we don't have school, but they're doing like one of those teacher things, so we're not having school on Friday either. This is a four-day weekend. What are we going to do? And all of a sudden, we're like, let's drive to Wyoming and go to his ranch, because that would be rad. And so I did what every good boyfriend does. Heidi, can I use your car? 
So we took Heidi's Buick, actually Heidi's grandfather's Buick. Yes, Heidi's grandparents gave her their Buick. It was a boat. And it was awesome going to Gillette, Wyoming. Well, anyway, we go out to Gillette, Wyoming, and we have an incredible time. We literally, it's like right out of the books. We take his horses, and we go up into the Bighorn Mountains in a place called Soldier Park. And we rode horses for three days in Soldier Park and slept under the stars. It was incredible. I learned some valuable lessons. One, the earth robs you of your heat. If you just lay on the ground at night, it is really cold. And two, your butt can get blisters. I did not know that. Rode for three days on a horse in the mountains. I walked pretty funny for a couple of days when I got back to school. But on the way home, the whole point of this story is on the way home. Have you ever had a moment where your expectations were unbelievably like blown away because you didn't have any expectations, right? You just didn't have them. And that happened to me with Mount Rushmore. We're like on a road coming home from Wyoming to Minnesota and it says Mount Rushmore that way, 15 miles. I'm like, well, I don't, I'm, I've never seen Mount Rushmore. It's 15 miles. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, sure. Okay. And it's one of those things where we got off the interstate and we realized if we did this, it's probably going to put us back at school instead of 11 o'clock at night, probably more like 3 o'clock in the morning, and we have class at 8 a.m., but hey, you only young once. So we're going up this long access road full of nothing. And it's one of those things where like halfway into the commitment from the interstate, you're like, we shouldn't have done this. Why are we doing this? We should totally turn around. But you've already gone this far. You're like, it's going to be right up there somewhere. And every turn, you'd be like, huh? And every turn, you're like, ugh. And every turn, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if any of you have been to Mount Rushmore, but I have not. And when we came around that final corner, I was getting ready for like some rock statues the size of like that wall over there, or maybe like the size of a car. I wasn't getting ready for like the side of South Peak to have the presidents on them. I was blown away. I was getting, literally, I was getting ready for like a little cliff to have a couple carvings and be like, well, that's kind of cool. No, guys, if you haven't been, it's a legit mountain with huge faces. I don't know how big they are, but they are massive. They are magnificent to the point where we pulled the car over because another friend was me from Maine. I think the kid from Wyoming had seen him before, but my buddies from Maine, we hadn't. We're like, oh, pulled the car over, jumped out, we're like, oh, And that was one of those moments where my expectations were blown away. I'm so thankful. And that's what happens to Job here with God. His expectations are blown away and it invokes a response. My response that invoked with me at Mount Rushmore was just like, wow, you know, like, ah, just blown absolutely away. Job's response invokes something that actually becomes a biblical truth. And the biblical truth comes from Psalms 51. If you know Psalms 51, Psalms 51 was written by David. And it was written by David after he had had a very, very bad weekend. Right? You've heard of something called a bender? This was a bender for the ages for David. 
First, it says David stayed home when it was time for kings to go out for war. David's first issue, laziness. Then he Googled women taking baths on their roof. Don't ever Google that. Googled that late at night because he was bored and he was supposed to be at work and he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And ladies, don't take a bath on your roof. He found a lady taking a bath on a roof. And then he let that, he let that bird land in his head. He let that thought fester and then he acted on it. He committed adultery with Bathsheba while her husband was at war. So then he tried to do a lie to cover up his sin. It got worse. It didn't work. So to cover up his lie, he ended up committing murder. So David had a pretty bad sin-filled weekend. Laziness, lust, adultery, lying, and murder. Pretty rough weekend. Psalms 51 comes from his confession of that weekend. And so we have a lot to learn from Job's confession, and we have a lot to learn from David's confession. And what we learn about God in the book of Job, the wisdom we learn about God in the book of Job is written in Psalms 51. It's written in Psalms 51, verses 16 and 17. And it says this, Job, Psalms 51, 16 and 17, Sacrifice you do not take pleasure in. Meaning, I could serve every soup kitchen in the world. I could put away every chair in the church. I could bring meals to anyone. I could, I could take care of the poor. I could take care of the orphans and the widows. Sacrifice you do not desire. But a broken and contrite heart. Meaning, a heart that says, it's not about me, God. It's not about what I can do. It isn't even what, you know, what I can say. A broken and contrite heart, it says, the Lord finds and desires. And this is what happens to Job. And one of the most difficult things about the theology of the book of Job is that the position that God desires you and I to be in is one of brokenness, contrite, and the faith of a child. That's the position God desires you to be in. And everything in my selfish, success-driven, popularity-driven Marcus doesn't want to be there. Humbled. And neither really did Job. But when Job heard God speak from the cloud... He confessed. He confessed. And take your bulletin, because this is what he confessed. There are three things. This is the message. I've been really enjoying the message lately. But if you read like the NIV or the King James, it kind of breaks it down a little bit more into three things. I'm going to read this again, but I want you to hear Job's confession of God's sovereignty, meaning God, you're in control, and I'm not. Then he confesses his ignorance, and then he confesses his sin. And in the message it says, I admit I once lived on rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand, for my eyes and for my ears. I'm sorry. Forgive me. 
I'll never do that again, I promise. I'll never again live on crust of hearsay, crumbs of rumors. Job confesses God's sovereignty. Job confesses his own ignorance, and Job admits his sin. We don't like doing that, do we? And a lot of times we in the church, we like to just kind of like place one toe over the confession line or the admittance line, right? I'll admit to this so I feel better about myself, but boy, I ain't confessing this over here, right? So we're going to make a lot of noise with the left hand so that we can't see what the right hand's doing. And when Job meets God, it brings him to his knees, and he confesses. Why I've put Psalm 34, 8 in here is because we have to remember the Baptist or the legalist and each of you and I in here are hearing, oh no, God's strong hand is coming, I must confess. I must, before I'm in trouble, before I'm, I'm punished, I must, don't you see? That is still narcissism. That is still, I must do something for me. I'm still in this for me. I'm still in this avoiding God for me. But the flip-flop is what we see here from Job and from the psalmist. It says, I'm sick of living on crust of heresy and crumbs of rumor. And the psalmist says, open my mouth and taste. Open my ears and let me see. And hear, let my eyes and let me see how good God is. Blessed are you when you run to him. Romans says that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And we can learn from Job this wisdom. How long, how long, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how long are you going to hide from God? Because you were made and God desires for you to hide in him. And that's the broken and contrite heart. And that's the position God desires. And Romans 1 says he loves you so much, he's going to push you to the end of yourself that you can get there to hide in him. Now, Romans 1 also says, and this is also very nerve-wracking, that he will only push so far and so long until he releases you to your own desires. We have a father. We do not have a puppeteer. God is not a puppeteer. You are not a robot. You are made in God's image. I was made in God's image. We have a choice. To choose to love God or choose to love ourselves. To choose to hide from God or choose to hide in God. And it comes by humiliation. By being humbled. By confessing by admitting. So we learn from Job today 
that we confess God's bigness. Like me at Mount Rushmore. I almost didn't go to Mount Rushmore. I almost hid from Mount Rushmore because I wanted to get to school three hours earlier. And I didn't want to go up that long, windy road that had no gas stations that were open at that time of day. But when I hid in Mount Rushmore, I was blown away by the bigness. I confessed its bigness. You just heard me confess its bigness today. It was huge. Then with Mount Rushmore, I confessed my ignorance. I bought a bonehead from Western Maine and had no clue about this thing. I'm ignorant. Right? Now, with Mount Rushmore, there is no sin to confess. Right? But with God, there is. Why? Because God's holy. Mount Rushmore isn't. God is perfect and holy, and I am not. So when I come to him and I confess his bigness, and when I come to him and I say, I am sorry, for I am ignorant, and I say, and I have sinned, I have done things in my ignorance that I should not have done. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me, a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus in my place. Listen, if God forgives David after that weekend... He surely forgives you. And if your shame is causing you to hide from God, let's confess it. And if your pride is causing you to hide from God, let's confess it. And let's do it individually, but let's create a culture of confession. And what that means is that you can feel free and you can feel accepted to confess in this body. That is something that is very hard to do to create that culture. Because you're afraid that if you confess, well then, you won't be loved anymore. Well, that's just the opposite. If, if you're hiding something, then you must not feel loved. Every one of us desires to be loved at the deepest core. And that's what God will do. And does. I heard this incredible, I read, I should say, this, this incredible thought on shame. Has anyone seen the show Shark Week on Discovery Channel? Well, they were interviewing the camera guy. And they said, dude, how do you get, how do you get in the water with a great white shark? How do you do that? He said, well, it's very counterintuitive. And it took me some real practice. He said, but I realized the psychology of a great white shark. That's crazy that you're studying the psychology of a great white shark. That there is no, there is no, there is no predator of the great white shark in the ocean. Everything in the ocean swims away from the great white shark. So he said, I've learned with my camera to do the counterintuitive, and that is swim at the great white shark with my camera. He said, nothing in the ocean has swam at the great white shark before. And so it doesn't know what to do when you swim at it. Mentally, the great white shark's like, oh, what do I do? I, I'm the predator. What, what do I do here? And it doesn't know what to do. And this psychologist wrote this about shame. He said that shame is the great white shark of our minds. And shame is not used to being the prey. Shame is always the predator. And everyone runs from shame. And shame gets its strength from the pursuit. 
The great white shark loves to pursue. You'll see the great white shark loves to play with its prey. Have you ever seen it throw a seal in the air and uh, play catch with it? Shame loves to pursue you and me. Loves to grab us and throw us around and play. But Jesus came not so you could run faster from your shame. He came that you could stop and by the power of the Holy Spirit, look your shame in the face and say, I am forgiven. Nothing that I've done has caused me to be forgiven and nothing that I can do can gain me forgiveness. It's Jesus and Christ alone. And then shame doesn't know what to do because it's the predator and now it's the prey. Because of Jesus, it's the prey. And shame's like, what do I do? No, it's running. And you renew your mind daily on the goodness of God. We're going to move into time of communion. And I love how this is coming on this Sunday. Because communion is about with unity. And with unity does not happen until we confess. So I'm going to ask Drew and them to come forward. And we are a church that practices open communion, meaning this, that you do not have to be a member of our church to take communion here. You just have to be a member of God's body. The Bible says that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. We are adopted into God's body. We are, we are family. But the Bible does also say that we must come to the table with a clean hands and a pure heart and clean lips. Well, I've lived this last week. I don't know if you've lived this last week, but I've lived. And living causes our hands to get dirty. And living causes our lips to get dirty because I speak a lot. And living, you know, causes my heart to get dirty. But praise God, we have the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us. Confession is not a one and done. Confession is a daily thing. The confession. So right now I'm going to ask Drew, before they actually start singing, to just play a little music and I, and I want to lead us through a time of confession. So, right now, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to, I want you to get a thought of how big God is. How big is His power? How big is His creativity? How big is His love? Maybe it's something in creation that reminds you of that. Sunrise, sunset, rivers. Maybe it's something that's happened in your life, like a birth of a child or the union of marriage or the marriage of a, of a son or a daughter that you've given away. His bigness. Let it, let it fill you the thought of how huge he is. And in your mind, confess his bigness. Now I want you to admit your littleness, my littleness. I want you to think of a scenario this week that you just felt little. I got one for me. Just feel little, out of control. Got no power to change that circumstance. Got no power to make that bank account bigger. Got no power to fix that relationship. Got no power to heal that person who is sick. Little. Admit your smallness. 
And I want you to confess God's wisdom. Where you've seen it. Oh man, God, you told me. Or I heard you. I saw in your word. I felt in my heart your wise, your wisdom. I want you to admit your ignorance, my ignorance. Man, I was dumb on that one. My thought process was off. I thought I knew what I was doing, but boy, I found on the other side, I couldn't have been further away from doing it the, the wise way. We're confessing now God's wisdom and we're admitting our ignorance. What's cool about these kids' voices is God calls for us to have the faith of a child. And you know what gets in the way of the faith of a child? What we consider wisdom. It's our intellect that gets in the way of us putting trust in God. Oh, because we think we know better now that we're older and we're on our own and we can be responsible. But it's the faith of a child. That is wise. And finally, admit your sin. God, I'm a sinner. I trust in things that are not you. I put my faith and hope in actions and doing and thinking and being that are not truth, that are not pure, that are not good report. My eyes have seen things that are unclean. My lips have spoken things that are untrue and unhelpful to somebody else. It tears them down. My hands have done things that are not helpful to your kingdom and glorifying you, but it were meant to bring me, bring me glory and the process hurt me and those around me. So we're admitting our sin. And now we're confessing God's goodness and his mercy and his love. Thank you, God, for forgiving my sin. Thank you for willingly sending your son to give his life that I could be set free from my sin. God, help us not to have confession be a one and done, but to be a daily discipline that we confess to you, that we confess to our loved ones, that we confess to our, our community, God. And may it not be a false confession. May it not be from trying to get pride or trying to do something, but just may it be a humble confession. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loon mtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.